0: Today's high upside is brought to you by SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest way to get your tickets to your favorite team's games. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Doesn't end with sports though. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. I was able to buy amazing seats to John Mayer on the same day of the show for cheap thanks to SeatGeek. Best of all, our listeners get a twenty dollars rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your twenty dollars rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click Add a promo code. Enter promo code Ringer NBA. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERNBA today. On to High Upside. Hey there, welcome to High Upside, the Ringers' weekly 2017 NBA Draft Podcast. I'm Kevin O'Connor, and I'm joined today by my Ringer teammate at TheRinger.com, Jonathan Sharks. Yo, John, what's up? Nothing much, man. Finals are wrapping up. Draft's almost here. Oh, man. It's, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And today, we're going to be discussing the international draft prospects that are in our top 60 on the Ringer's 2017 NBA Draft Guide, which you can find at NBA nbadraft.theringer.com. We're going to be updating that this week once the early entry deadline passes. And there are quite a lot of international prospects this year. Uh, maybe not so much in the lottery, but these guys are still important. And you've got to keep in mind that one quarter, 25% of the NBA is made up of international players. So let's kick this off with a big name who's going Gonna be a lottery pick. Frank Nillykina. He's an eighteen-year-old point guard from Belgium who played this past season in the French Pro A League. And Nillykina is six foot five, long wingspan, and his nickname is Filthy Frank because he is absolutely filthy on defense. Frank is ranked ninth on my board, and he's fourteenth on Jonathan's. John, please give our listeners the spiel on Frank.
1: Yeah, so Frank's a uh, French guy played in the French Major Leagues. Uh, I think he's pretty much a role player on his club team. Where he really made his name for himself was on the international circuit at the uh, I think it was the European Championships this year the under 18s. He was the MVP, led France to a gold medal, 6-5. He ran point, big guard, long arms, can guard multiple positions, runs a team, very smart player, knockdown 3-point shooter in a very small sample size, but He looked pretty good shooting it. And that's kind of, I guess, like the broad overview of Frank. What's your take on him?
0: I like him a lot. Um, I've been a little bit up and not, I, w- I don't want to say up and down, I guess I was up and then I've kind of just really eased him into his positioning. Um, I had him ranked fourth when we had Ooh. our first big board way back in December. Um, and he's kind of hovered in the eight, nine, 10 range for me ever since then. And I have him at nine now. Um, so I, look, there's a lot to like, I think we, we had a good conversation on Nilly Keena a couple weeks back, um, when we had our point guard podcast and we talked about how he's a little bit slow, uh, in terms of movement, um, but at the same time, I what I really like about him is despite the fact he's not the speediest guy, he's got great feel, and I think he has great body control, and I think he has really good passing vision. So for him, he's only 18. He'll be 19 before the season. I think you're getting a project, whatever team drafts him, but... Long term, he has some of the things that you can't teach in terms of passing vision, passing ability, uh, passing instincts. Um, He's excellent defensively. I mentioned off the top uh, Filthy Frank, the nickname is appropriate, as you'll see when you see him play, because that dude can defend points, he can defend twos, probably defend some threes too, and maybe if a team is even playing really, really, really small, you can put him against bigger guys too. He has a defensive mindset, and that's what I really like most about him.
1: Well, yeah, I mean as he gains weight you can use him in a switch heavy system for sure Like if he guards a four for a second, it's okay
0: as he gets stronger
1: He definitely has to put on a lot of weight. Do you think he'll play in a d-league next year?
0: I don't know. I mean, th- that depends so much on situation. Uh, I mean, there could be some team that has a, a bunch of point guard depth and they just took the best best player available and then he's forced to play in the G League. But there's al- always a chance that he's could be playing heavy minutes. I, I, don't, I mean, it's it's really hard to predict. Uh, John, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, we've, we both dropped him on our boards over the course of the season. I, like I said, I had him at fourth. I believe you had him ranked fairly high as well in December. But so over the last six months for you – What part of your evaluation made this kind of relatively mysterious prospect start so high, then kind of slide back down to 14 for you where he is now?
1: Well, I think it's more, it's just falling in love with other players. Because Frank is so steady. He's like, I don't really see him as like at the upside of an all-star. So as you get closer to the draft, you watch more film on guys, and you just kind of fall in love with them. Kind of higher, I know for me, like the higher upside guys, it's hard not to like get excited about them. So for me, Frank, my evaluations kind of stayed the same. It's just other guys have kind of jumped him, if that makes sense. And I think to me, I really—I think we talked about this in the first pod, but to me, Frank is really a two-guard who can run point. I mean, these days with the way the league is, it maybe doesn't really matter, but I love to see Frank play with a second-point guard who can attack the rim and let Frank attack closeouts. I think that's where he'd be at his best. So,
0: for what reason do you view him as more of a 2 than a 1?
1: Well, to me, I want my 1 to be as fast as possible. I want okay. my 1 to get in the lane. And I think back in the day, you wanted more size, every position. But to me, if you have a guy with two size who can play 1, you really get more value playing him at 2 and have two ones on the floor than playing him at 1 with a guy who can't really create a 2.
0: See, I, I just think. Look, I agree with you that he's obviously not the fastest dude. Like anybody watching him play will know that uh, uh, he's he's a little bit slow out there. But the thing is, is that. I just think his passing instincts are so good for his age, and I think it's the type of thing where you look at some of the top point guards in the NBA, not all of them are speedsters. like Not all of them are explosive like Derrick Rose, or like even Kyrie Irving's a below-the-rim guy, but he's fast. James Harden is a below-the-rim guy, and he's really not so fast. Um, There's different types of point guards. Stephen Curry, not the most explosive guy, not even the quickest guy. So with Frank, I I think he does have point guard traits. Um, More than anything else, for me, it, it depends so much on how his handle develops. He's really loosey goosey out there now, um, even even more so than I think his first step or his speed. It's, it's his handle because I think his passing ability will be fine. I think I think he does have those traits to be able to develop and handle the primary responsibility. The thing is, is you know, to your point, so many teams are running multiple ball handler systems where I don't know if it's necessarily important that he is that guy if he's drafted into a system that doesn't ask him to be. Does that make any sense? No, that makes a lot of sense.
1: And I think with all these kind of guys, it's where they end up going. And I think for me, where Frank gets really interesting is number eight to New York. Because in my mind, I think you can kind of tell if the Knicks draft Frank, I think it says we still believe in the triangle because Frank is really a triangle point guard. He's a big guy. He can shoot. He can guard. He can play off the ball. I think if the Knicks draft like Dennis Smith, it tells you they want a faster guy to run spread, pick, and roll. But if Frank goes eight, I think Frank goes eight to New York or nine to Dallas is my guess. So
0: in the past, you have said that you, you hope that the Knicks take uh, Frank Nilikina at eight so Dennis Smith can be at nine. But let's say they don't. Let's say they do go with Smith at eight. Uh, Mark Cuban met with Filthy Frank this past week um, after one of his games. Uh, do, do you like the potential fit at number nine for Frank?
1: I mean, he definitely fits there because Rick Carlisle likes to run two ball handler offenses, and then Frank lets you play two point guards while still guarding a two. I think if the Mavs draft Frank at nine, it becomes Seth Curry's team, and I like Seth. Seth I don't Curry. Know if I know that's it's oh. Dallas, man. We're not oh, all, man. all Boston. We don't get to have you know three or four All Stars coming to our team every year. I
0: don't year. know, man. Seth, I don't know if he would necessarily be the guy. Maybe for the season. That's what <laughs> I mean, I'm. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. Right. I want <laughs> okay. So with Frank, one of the youngest players in this draft, uh, philosophically, I, I get the impression that maybe you don't you don't value the def- his defensive ability quite as much as you do, um, perhaps at other positions. Because I know we've talked a lot about how much defensive versatility matters it, to you. Does point guard defense not matter as much? Because there is a lot of people out there who think, nah, you know, whatever. You know, point guards are going to score; they're going to get theirs. It doesn't really matter how great perimeter point guard defense is.
1: I mean, it's important, but I feel like the point guard. It's your the point of attack on offense more than anything. You've got to be able to get to the rim, get everybody else. And of course, it depends on your fit. If it's not going to be Frank, it's got to be somebody else getting to the rim if it's not
0: going to be him. So one of the most underrated players in this draft, uh, kind of in my opinion, and I think in Charks, based on our rankings, is, is Jonah Bolden. Charks, you're writing a big piece on him. Uh, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit his story going from UCLA to the Adriatic League and where he is now in, in the draft.
1: Okay, so he was an Australian guy. He came over three years ago, went to UCLA, eligible for a year. He has a bad freshman year. He doesn't really fit with the team. They had no point guard. They had Bryce Alpha running point. He decides, instead of transferring schools, he decides to go pro, and he goes over to um, Belgrade in the Adriatic League. And he kind of becomes like a different player overseas. He won the, uh, player, the Young Player of the Year Award in the Adriatic League, which is – Last few years have been guys like Ante Zizic, the Celtics' first round pick, and Dario Saric,
0: and Jokic. He, oh, and, and
1: Jokic, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he had a great season at uh, Belgrade. He's 6'10", 230, really long arms. He can just do everything. I love. I really love multi-dimensional, like six eight, six nine guys, and that's Bolden. He can shoot, handle, guard a little bit, pass a little bit, rebound, block shots. He's just a very, very versatile player. And I think if he had stayed in the U.S. and had a good year as good as he had this year, he'd be seen as a much higher ranked prospect, in my opinion.
0: I, I agree with you uh, completely. That if he had played, you know, the season at UCLA next to Lonzo Ball and he was getting buckets from him, we'd be talking probably about Bolden as a lottery pick. And I believe you do. You did move him up into the lottery in your latest big board at 14, a kind of a dramatic rise for him uh, this season. I think. I think really he will be the guy that goes higher in the draft than a lot of people think. You look at uh, boards, different websites. A lot of people have him either in the late 20s or the 30s or even the 40s. But I think this guy will end up going in the teens. Uh, I, I just have a hunch that a team will fall in love with him for all the reasons you stated because those traits are so important in today's NBA. And when you look at his weaknesses, they're they're really not pressing issues. They're, they're things that... Their weaknesses when he has a, a feature role, but as he eases into the NBA, he's not going to be asked to drive to the rim. He's not going to be asked to ball, handle the ball, you know, constantly. He's not going to be asked to do all these things. So he's going to be put into a situation. I would I would assume where his strengths are featured, and I, and I think he's somebody that can make an impact pretty early in his career.
1: Yeah, I think we're both pretty high, and my guess is he has a pro day. I think it's on next Saturday in LA. And that'll be the first chance a lot of the decision makers get to see him. He had a bad year at UCLA. I think enough bat his people's mouths. But like once he comes here, people get to see him up close and in person. I bet he starts going up big boards and mock drafts pretty fast by next week.
0: How 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 high do you have his potential, John? I, I mean, do you think he can become really a, a top twenty five player or, or where do you think his potential realistically match, maxes out?
1: I don't know. It's hard. I don't really think in those terms. I think he can be a high-level starter at a 4-5 or four, four, position. I think, he can, I think he could be a starting 4 in a championship team, if that makes sense. I don't know if he'll be an all-star. That's a
0: really good player.
1: But he, I think he's going to be a very good NBA player. I think he's a pretty high floor, too, because of his feel for the game, his athletic ability. I mean, there's not many guys who can shoot 40% from 3 and then catch lobs at the rim. Like That combination always intrigues me, is the athletic ability plus the shooting plus the feel.
0: Another nice thing about him, uh, Jonah Bolden, is a a lot of, I think, those more traditional threes that are shifted up to the four in today's league, a lot of them can't rebound. But Bolden's quite a good rebounder. So I I don't think you lose a lot in that sense when you do shift him up to the four. Uh, And so that's kind of a really nice bonus for me when I evaluate him because with so many of these guys, they just can't rebound. And, and Bolden won't have those issues. He can switch defensively, but he's not going to kill you on the boards either. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking
1: to him. I interviewed him for the story over the weekend. And he was saying at UCLA, he always wanted to play the three as coaches wanted to play the four. And now, as it turns out, it doesn't even matter because threes are playing fours
0: anyways. <laughs> so he kind of was like a year ahead of the curve there. It seems like, I think back to certain prospects, whether it's the point guard position or or the way the forwards have evolved. And the, there's so many guys that I think if they just came in the league a little a little bit later, I know Shea Serrano from The Ringer had a line. He said when we when we met last August, better birthday. If some of these guys had a better birthday, I think they would have been able to find success in the NBA. If Jaleel Okafor came out 10 years ago, he probably would have been a star. If Jonah Bolden came out 10 years ago, perhaps people would have viewed him as a tweener. And he wouldn't even be getting talked about as a first-round draft pick. So it's funny to me how how the league's evolution has allowed some of these more versatile guys to find super important roles, whereas in the past we'd be saying, well, what's his real positioning? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about that. Let's get to our Captain Morgan moment of the week, focusing on big man prospect Anse's Paskekniks, a seven foot two Latvian big man who had people I talked to raving about his pro day last week. He's big, he's mobile, he's a high flyer, he can shoot it too. There's a lot, lot to like about him. Draft Express posted a video on Twitter from the workout that showed him throwing down explosive dunks and then running out to the corner and hitting threes. Anse's was so damn good. I hope somebody got this guy a drink, a nice cold Captain Morgan. My really good buddy, Eric Weiss, who owns a sports psychology company called Sports Aptitude, was at this workout, and he, he he hit me up last week raving about him, basically said everything I just said to you, that this dude can do a lot of things for you in today's NBA, which is important for a big man. You can't, you can't not space the floor. You have to be able to shoot threes at least a little bit, and you got to be mobile. You need to be able to defend on the perimeter, and that's what I think makes him such an intriguing first-round pr- prospect. Sharks, what do you think? He's definitely an interest interesting guy for a
1: seven foot he's seven foot three or seven foot two. I guess doesn't really matter. These Latvians, man, they're just super tall over there for some reason. <laughs> a little extra height in those in the jeans over there. <laughs>
0: Do you, think, do you think he defends? Do you think he's mobile enough? Um, See, to I don't to know.
1: I think like, for a 7 3 guy, he's mobile, but do I really want a 7 3 guy guarding the three point line? I'm a little dubious. I don't think he's as fast as Chris Stapps, for example. I think Chris definitely Stapps is not. definitely no. faster than him. And what worries me about Pasechniks is that he didn't block a lot of shots last year in Spain. For a guy as big as he was, it was like 1.5 blocks per 40 minutes, which is mm-hmm. pretty average for a center. So he doesn't always, he can definitely finish. He's big for his size. I'm just not totally there. He might a little bit, I think, kind of trap between two worlds, if that makes sense. He's not totally a traditional five, but I'm not sure he's quite
0: skilled enough to be a perimeter five either. So I, I I think that's kind of where my concern lies on the defensive end of the floor. He's not quite a shot blocker. You know, you, you see seven two, seven three, and you're like, Oh, this guy's gonna be our rim protector. And well, yeah, sure. He's gonna be asked to do that, but he's not necessarily gonna be a shot blocker. He's gonna have to be more of a positional defender who alters shots. And that's valuable. I mean that that's fine if that's what he becomes. Um, but really, you know, where the intrigue is, is offensively. I mean, he's going to be a rim runner. He's going to be able to throw down lobs. There's no question about that. You're going to be able to put him in the high pick and roll, and he's going to have no trouble throwing down lobs for you. Um, he's skilled. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit. So if you get it, get him on the short roll, he can finish the drive to the rim. Uh, I like that about him a lot. And plus, look, so on the draft guide, I have a note on there that says he'll need to speed up his mechanics to become an effective shooter. And that's true. Like, he's got really slow mechanics that remind me uh, not quite as much as Amir Johnson, who has a very slow windup, but it's slow. And that's true that he will need to speed up his mechanics. But the fact is is that he can shoot uh, from the outside, and I think he'll be enough of a threat where because of his mobility and because of his uh, ball handling ability, he's going to be a threat to space that floor and attack closeouts. And if you don't close out on him, he's going to be able to hit the three when he has time to wind up. So really look, I agree with you Chalks that defensively, There are some questions. Um, I think that's why you have him ranked 30th on our update. And I'm I'm just a little bit higher on him. I have him kind of in the 18, 19, maybe low, low 20s range. I think he just sold me on him. I might move him back up. Okay. That was Captain Morgan's moment of the week. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders on to some news as of recording this podcast at 2 p.m pacific time two notable prospects have dropped out of the 2017 NBA draft before the early entry deadline the big name is Rodion's courage a 19 year old forward from Latvia I had him ranked in my top 20 on the ringer draft guide it's really really surprising that he dropped out uh, everything I heard of that he was probably going to be a late first round draft pick however you know I'm sure that he probably is going back for a year and then going to try again in 18 or 19, and maybe then he could even be a lottery pick. So it's an interesting move for him, but I can understand why, because he has a lot of potential. The other name is Arnoldis Kolboka He's another forward uh, from Lithuania. Kabolka is super raw. Not at all surprising that he dropped out. Long-term, you know, versatile player that can stroke threes. I like him. Um, I, I think another guy where next year, next year's draft, we could see his name slip into the first round. So a good move for him. Very, very surprising that Kurtz dropped out. But um, with Kolbalka, solid move. Good decision. It'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys. Jonathan Jean of uh, maybe my favorite sleeper prospect in this year's draft uh, was diagnosed with Marfan Syndrome at the NBA Combine. It's a heart condition that will un- likely have him go undrafted this year, likely will sideline him from playing basketball for the foreseeable future. Um, Isaiah Austin, a couple years ago, was diagnosed with the same condition. When undrafted, he's back playing basketball. He started playing again in December 2016. Um, for Jean, unfortunately, for someone who I think was rising, maybe even a mid-first round draft pick, he's his dream is going to have to wait for the nba um john do you have any reaction to jonathan john's uh unfortunate yeah, i mean, it's just condition? a real
1: bummer you know i think isaiah is the same thing very skilled big blocking shots it's just from what i yeah. from what i've heard is the nba won't let somebody with Mar fans play in the league that's just, that's just what i've heard and so it, his health actually isn't bad it's just they feel like this condition is just not a good idea to have in the court kind of like chris bosh a little bit but he can play overseas because isaiah's playing overseas so I'm sure he'll be he'll have a long career playing overseas. It's just unfortunate what happened with that.
0: yeah I mean, I mean, all you can really hope for is for him he is you know able, able to continue playing and doing what he loves because that that dude's talented and everything I hear about him is he's a super, super high character kid. Two other big men in this year's draft projected to go maybe in the early second round, maybe even in the first round that one of them neither of us are high on at all. It's Isaiah hartenstein, a uh, big man. Uh, played played from he's from Germany seven foot one seven foot two wingspan I'm not I'm not a fan I don't see it I don't see it at all Sharks he uh, he's getting first round hype I've seen him ranked in the lottery some places he's first round most places I've looked at I have him ranked forty second on my board I, I I just don't see it I see I see a David Lee type player out there what about you well
1: with Hardenstein so I get why he's ranked high on paper because he's big he's theoretically a shooter. He's theoretically reasonably <laughs> athletic. But to me, you just watch him play, A, he looks he's so he looks so unathletic part of it. His posture is terrible. And his jumper jump, is his really jumper bad. looks
0: really bad too. L- looks like looks like he's playing video games eight hours a right? day. Yep. And I should I shouldn't talk. He I've had like those days. I sh- I should I shouldn't be talking. He looks like a ringer <laughs> staff fighter out there. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't but, be talking. We, should, yeah. we shouldn't We should be. But the other thing, too, is
1: like <laughs> yeah. if you go to Synergy, he's in the 10th percentile as a jump shooter. Like he's supposed to be a stretchy big. He really doesn't shoot very well. He shoots a lot, takes a lot of shots, no. but he don't make them very much. And that's that's obviously a concern.
0: I was talking to another draft analyst. I don't want to say his name in case he doesn't want me to, but he, he said the same exact word as you, Charles. that Hartenstein is a theoretical player. You look at him and you're like, well, you know, he can handle the ball. He looks good when he shoots it. You know, he can pass a little bit. Theoretically, he could be really good, but, you know, he's just I mean, not. He's, he's, he's just young, not. so at he's, a second round, why not take Yeah, that? theoretically. Theoretically, he could be good. I just don't know if I'd want to invest the first round draft pick in him. I think that's what you're going to have to do. I think he's going to end up going first round. And I'd be happy to take him in the middle of the second round. Totally cool with it. But first round, no. I I just, I'm not willing to invest. Well, I mean, to me, a lot of
1: it, too, is just who's going to be there. Like, if you're taking, like... Him over someone like Tony Bradley or Pasettić—that doesn't yeah. make much sense to me. In terms of if you're gambling on bigs, there's a lot of bigs I'd rather gamble on. I mean, he could be a good player. I just I trust some bigs could ahead of him. That's what it comes
0: down to. I, I what, would I would never say never. I, I mean, he could be. I just think I, I'd let him. I'd let somebody else take their risk. Yeah, I on him. Fair. One guy, one guy I like that you don't like is Matthias Lasort. Big man played in France, six foot nine, two fifty, dude is a bulldozer. Great athlete, throw down lob dunks. We have him as a comparison to Montrez Harrell, Kenneth Farid, and Ed Davis in the draft guide, just to give you an idea of the type of player he is. I like him. You don't. Why are we on different ends of the spectrum with Matisse? I guess Lasora? give me
1: your your take. Give me your I guess you just did. Um for me, like I'd rather just have Bam at that point. I just don't feel – I feel like he could be a decent big. It's just there are bigs who can block shots better than him. There are bigs you can guard better than him. Yep. There are I mean, bigs I mean, you I'd shoot. rather have
0: Bam too though. So like I have him ranked like in the 30th and you have him 30-ish range, whatever it is, and you have him 53 on the list he sent me. So like the, that's a 20-spot 20, 20 difference. I, I think you know at that point in the draft there's not quite as much separation between yeah. some guys, but that's that's a pretty big difference. I think it's
1: philosophical for me. I just don't really value bigs who don't – protect the rim or shoot or pass i mean I think I think he can be a like tar, tar, it could be Tariq black maybe I just feel like those kind of guys are available late second undrafted you don't want really need to expend the high pick or even a reasonably pick on him that's all
0: uh, I- I'm not even going to argue that because all those things are true. <laughs> he's he's not a great passer, not not a great ball handler. Uh, I think with him, like it, it's it's more or less systematic fit. Uh, you plug him into the Rockets into the montrose Harrell role. I think he can do that for you. I think he can be that five that rumbles down the lane, throws down lump lob dunks, and he's versatile defensively. And uh, from what I think uh, from watching him, I think he can switch screens and protect the rim a little bit, maybe better than than um than you think. But that's look. I think with him, it's all a matter of role and situation. I just don't see how he could be drafted into a situation that tries to make him into something that he's not. Yeah.
1: I mean, with all these guys, there's just, maybe we'll a different plot. Like, there's just so many bigs after like 20 that some of them just end up falling because there's just so many bigs in a league where bigs are becoming less and less used. This is a very big, heavy draft. So it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out in terms of where guys go.
0: I'm just counting right now, currently on our mock draft on Monday, June 12th, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 14 big men between 17 and 41. Yeah, some lot. of them are going to fall. There's a, there's a lot of big men. They're going to fall, and they could fall far depending on what teams, how teams view these wings and forwards that we've talked so much about, the Sterling Browns of the world, the, the Kostya Mushidis of the world, depending on how teams value those dudes or some of the point guards that are going to go in the second round, these bigs could really have a free fall. All right, that's it for this week's High Upside. John, thank you. Thanks as always, man. Have a good one. You as well. And thank you so much for listening to High Upside. Please give us a rating on iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you like the show. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at Kevin NBA. You can follow Jonathan, at Jonathan Charks. And be sure to follow The Ringer on all social media platforms so you can keep up with our draft coverage, NBA Finals coverage, and our free agency coming up. It's coming up soon. It's going to be fun. Thank you for listening. Peace out.